Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Hey, do you guys want any podcorn? I'd love some popcorn. No, 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 Pete. Uh, Podcorn. It's a marketplace for connecting podcasters to sponsorship opportunities. Wait, uh, Podcorn, isn't that who's sponsoring our show right now? Sure is, Justin. Podcorn has a great, easy-to-use interface that lets you search for advertisers for your podcast and lets advertisers search for you. So is there any popcorn or... Wait, wait, so what's the deal? If I use popcorn, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time learning about advertising and dealing with financials, which is like a money word, and selling my soul to sketchy, horrible companies that make me feel like I want to die? No, no, no. The opposite of that. I was actually shocked, and I mean this sincerely. Thanks for being unsincere every time, every moment before this. Well, it's an ad. Anyway, I took barely any time to set up, uh, and then once I did, it was actually fun to click through and find advertisers that might match well with our podcast. The whole interface is simple. Simple and straightforward, even for someone not financially minded like me. True. And once you do hook up with an advertiser like, say, Podcorn. I'm hungry. Pete, just working with them to craft the right ad is supremely simple, too. You don't have to commit to anything you don't want to do, and you can spend a lot less time looking around for advertisers and more time on making your podcast great. Yeah, so when do we start making this podcast great? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, you never give up your rights, and Podcorn is there to help protect you if there are any issues. I really can't recommend it highly enough. And hey, if you want more info, check out the link in our episode description. Once again, that's Podcorn. Podcorn? Podcorn. So is no one else craving popcorn right now? Pete, Pete come, come on. on. Just eat a meal. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places here on the internet. We are coming to you live from YouTube, a.k.a. The Tube. We're also coming to you from Crowdcast.io. I don't know what that stands for, but uh, it's something definitely very cool. Uh, Or maybe you're listening to this on an audio podcast later. I don't know. In which case, we love you too anyway. Wow. I hope. (laughs) Uh, Now, before we get into the show, we have two amazing guests for you guys tonight that we're very excited to chat about. Big Mm -hmm. fans of the both their work. Had them on the show before. I'll tee them up in a second. Uh, But first, I want to mention, uh, you guys might be aware we're getting to the end of the year here. Have you heard about that, Justin? Pete? Oh, interesting. (laughs) The end of 2020. Mm -hmm. Yes. This nightmare Uh, is just uh, winding up, hopefully. Uh, nope, that's not how you say it. Winding up oh. means that it's getting ready to go even harder than usual, Pete. Pete, what do you know? Tell us, Pete, what do you know? It's winding up? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, what we are going to do, the, we'll talk more about the guests that we're going to have on next week at the end of the show. Uh, but for the end of the year, we wanted to do our best of the year for comics, but we wanted to include all of you listeners and viewers out there as well. So after the show, I'm going to put up a little tweet on at comic book live, uh, asking you for your submissions for best comic books of the year, things you enjoyed, things you liked. Uh, we'll call them together with our lists. Uh, and next week we'll talk about our top 10 or 11 or something like that. Uh, We'll do a classic top. 11 uh Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about our favorite comics tv shows locations we've been uh Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah i've been so many places the bedroom 
The Home. bathroom. Oh, uh, yeah. Kitchen. Bathroom's a big one. We'll count all of that down and much, much more. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, tune into at Comic Book Live on Twitter and hit us up there. I'm very excited to chat with all of you about that. Speaking of things we're excited about, I'm going to welcome our first guest here yes. into the stream. Uh, his name is Rich Duick. Uh, he is the writer of Sea of Sorrows at IDW, which is a very scary book. I'm very scared by it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Rich Duick, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, hey. Good. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Good seeing you again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, last time we did this uh, it was in a, in a little theater, but uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is nice, too. Yeah. <laughs> Same sort of it, thing. It's yeah. an even smaller theater. You got to bring theater of the mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a mind palace. Uh, Rich, uh, Sea of Sorrows is very scary for me. Um, I, this, Everyone. Yes. The second issue is coming out tomorrow, so I don't want to spoil necessarily anything about that. But in the first issue... It starts off as kind of this treasure hunt in the ocean, starts to work in some very terrifying-looking mermaids, uh, and uh, I think I can safely say that in the second issue, things get even wilder and more terrifying from there. What was the initial genesis of this idea, and what was it like working with the artist? Because it feels like such a uh, such a collaboration, even more so sure. than usually. Well, you know, um, Alex and I <clears throat> worked on Road of Bones, um, well, I mean, two years ago for us, but, you know, it came out last year, uh, 2019. Um, and, you know, we had a really good time working on that. We clicked really well, and, and we just decided that we uh, we wanted to do do more. But uh, we didn't really want to kind of do Road of Bones 2, Electric Boogaloo, or anything like that. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it, uh, we, we really liked kind of where the story ended, so we didn't want to do that, you know, sequel thing where we explain everything and, and it just gets lamer and lamer. So, um, <laughs> so what we decided to do is we were just like sat down and we're like, all right, well, what did we love about Road of Bones? We loved, um, the historical aspect of it. We loved kind of the interplay of like, you know, human monstrosity and, and real monsters. So, um, so that was kind of like, let's find another story that fills that same, uh, scratch that same kind of itch. And, um, Alex was really itching to do something set, uh, underwater. And he showed me this pinup he did of, uh, it was like a guy in an old time diver suit, uh, getting attacked by a giant squid. And I just love that, that diver suit. So, so I just started, uh, doing a little research as to like, kind of, when those suits were, were being used. Um, we didn't really want to do like, kind of like a modern, like scuba looking suit. It was like all about that helmet, like you see on the cover there. Um, so, you know, kind of looking back, world war one seemed like a really ripe area for, uh, another historical horror tale because, you know, face it, it was like, you know, a horrific war, probably the most horrific war, like at the time. So, um, so that was kind of like the genesis of it. And we were also kind of inspired a lot by, uh, kind of like the old, like, I guess like you'd call them like pulp movies, you know, or like, like the old, like universal horror and, and, and stuff like King Kong that was in kind of like, you know, started like the stories that not all the films came out like, uh, between world war one and world war two, but a lot of the kind of the stories, that inspired mm. them did, you know, it, it was a sort of thing. It was like, 
World War One was such a huge war that it, it just had an impact on like everyone that like living in the world, like their psyche, like you know, like the stories we told like changed. And I think that's what we found really interesting. Um so, you know, just as like parts of Rotobones are based in reality, we, we wanted to base a little bit of CSRs in reality, like uh the submarine they're going after, uh called the Bremen it was a real submarine that was lost at sea uh before the US entered World War One. It was it was sort of like uh it was it was a German blockade running submarine that was trying to get to Washington to maybe cut a deal to buy some buy some arms. This was while the U.S. was still neutral in the war. So, you know, it's it's sort of like that thing. It was like this little kind of like gap in history. Like you know, nobody knew what happened to it. So <laughs> we're going to tell this like crazy messed up story about uh, where it wound up. So you have um, Road of Bones, Sea of Sorrows. Air mm-hmm. of Depression is coming next. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, uh, but room of sadness. <laughs> uh, where do you get? Where do you get? Uh, write what you know, I guess. Yeah, right yeah. What we all know. <laughs> um, this book is so it's it has such a darkness to it, um, and I, I think hearing you describe the historical context and sort of where you're drawing on it really comes across and. All the characters seem like they are not having a great time. Um, they are chasing this. Uh, they're so greedy. And then the art is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Alex just had this um, kind of like idea about how to draw underwater stuff where like, you know, the thing he finds he finds compelling about it is that it's like, you know, it could go on for like hundreds of miles in every direction like you're not really isolated because you're, you're, you know, you're kind of out in the open, but all you really have is that little light that you're shining around, you know, and you can basically only see like, you know, maybe 20 feet in front of your face and, and that's your whole world. And you don't know what's going to come out of that darkness, which, uh, well, uh, to yeah. that end, I'm curious because uh, those who are watching on a video saw this a little bit, but there's such a strong use of black throughout, uh, mm-hmm. which, does that come from the artist? Is that uh, so, something you're putting in the scripts where you're like, hey, this page is all black except for the diver? Is it a little bit of both? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, kind of, you know, once we we establish that, like, you know, almost all the underwater stuff is going to be this, like, very murky kind of horror stuff. And, and then to contrast that, like, we do spend some time above the deck you know, um, on the boat itself. And like that stuff is like a little bit lighter. So it's not, you know, just black, 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 but black is definitely like the element in this book. Like Rotobones had a lot of snow. That book was white, a lot of white. This book is a lot of black. I don't know if it's like overcompensating or like a reaction to that or whatever, but it kind of worked out that way. And I think it works really well. I mean, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really tell Alex like what, like how to draw like the underwater environment or anything like that, 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 that's like coming from him, like kind of like what he shows. I just sort of give him, uh, in my scripts, like what kind of what's happening, what I would like people to be able to see, you know, certain details like, um, you know, we have, uh, our, our siren monster, uh, lurking around down there. Um, and, you know, it's like, 
there's there's parts there's certain pages where I would like you know we we would want her to be like very prominent like you know she's definitely there and then there's other parts where we're just like oh maybe there's like a hint like you know she's kind of like kind of far away and we're not 100% sure like what we're seeing because he's not 100% sure what he's seeing you know so it, it, it's it's a process um but you know at the end of the day uh Alex turns the pages in and and I very rarely have like any kind of notes for him because he's he's just an amazing at like rendering that stuff. Now, uh, did you did you grow up on water or have do you have a lot of water experience? Because I do think I know that's a weird question, but I, I, I do think I, I grew up have on a lake. Ever, have you ever had this water stuff? I, I had a glass of water <laughs> earlier crazy. today, and right here, very good. I was much less dry than usual. A oh, wow, there's some water right there. Uh, good research. Because uh, a, a sea is like a bathtub that goes on way further, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, but I, I grew up on a lake, and I do think that this uh, – we would always see how far down we could dive and do things like that. Mm-hmm. And this captures that fear, both the writing – you're writing and the art in such a, a, a way that was really evocative to me. And so I ask if you have done that in your life. I didn't grow up on the water, but we grew up. I grew up in uh, – in New York city. Um, so, you know, it's coastal. I was at the beach like every summer. Um, you know, uh, I am not old enough to have seen jaws in the theater, but I saw jaws at a very young age, probably too young, but it was like the eighties. So, you know, people weren't as careful back then, but you know, it's like, it's one of those things where like, you know, I'll go to the beach and like, I know that, it's not deep enough to have a shark or anything scary in it, but like you're walking out there and like a piece of seaweed goes by your leg and you're like, ah, it's it's crazy. But Alex grew up on Cape Cod. So that's like, uh, probably coming through in the art a lot. Like, you know, he's got that, you know, experience of, uh, roommates. Yeah, growing up now, right, right on the water. Do people read your stuff and then ask, like, if you're all right? Because, like, the people in this book are very dark. The ocean's crazy <laughs> dark. There's the dark monster trying to hurt. Like, uh, you know, this is – there's not yeah. a lot of light in this. There's not a lot of hope or, or you know, I, I just <laughs> – Sometimes I put down a book and I worry. It's not like 2020, which was a positive year, but it's just starting to wind up, as you said earlier. It's starting to wind up. (laughs) Well, 2020 was, you know, so, so dark that I just felt like our book could lighten it up a little bit. You know, (laughs) I think you're technically feel good, see adventure, you know, like, you know, just get out there and it's like, (laughs) this book's like a Beach Boy song. Yeah. Comic book. (laughs) I mean, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't think anybody's ever like, you know, Road of Bones came out. It's not like people didn't stop eating at my house because they were eating people. Uh, you know, <laughs> right, right. Um, and uh, but you know, I, I think like that's like the fun thing about horror is that you can kind of go like to these really dark places and and access these kind of dark parts of your personality without any consequences because it's just a story. You know, it's like, I'm not out there actually murdering people. I'd be in jail, but on the page, you know, goodbye. You're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> Good. Uh, just a note to anybody, please keep hiring rich just in case. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. exactly. So he can keep putting it on the page. Uh, uh, this is something we talk about a lot on the show, but pacing out horror for a comic book, which obviously is still medium, but uh, to mildly talk about spoilers, there's this great, very short but great sequence of the second issue where there's a guy 
reaching out silently in one panel and the next panel he's gone. And mm-hmm. there's something rather fascinating about reading that, not to get too um, haughty toddy, but it definitely ties into the whole Scott McCloud between the gutters type thing. Yeah. But how, how did you pace that out? How do you pace out that sort of thing? So you're getting scares, even though somebody can look at the full page at the same time. Well, it's, it's, it's really different from like, you know, if I was writing a script for like a, like a horror film or something like, because you have a kind of a different toolbox. You, you know, in a movie or a show or something like that, you can use things like sound effects or creepy music to kind of build the tension up, build the tension up. You know, I think with, with a comic, the challenge is that you don't have those tools. So you have to like, think of like, what, else, what do you have? And and what you do have is like you said, pacing and uh, basically what goes on between the gutters is kind of like what's going on in the reader's mind. So it's like, I guess the best way to describe it is it's kind of like leaving a trail of, of breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. you know, that you're, as you're reading it, you're picking it up. And even though you can see the whole page, it's like, if, if I've got you, like you're going to jump ahead because you're, you're, there's enough kind of like mystery in what you're, what you're following along with that that you're, you're kind of like, you're going along with me. You know, it's, it's almost like, like that's how I, how I try to do it anyways, is to try to like bring people along with me. So like, uh, and you know, Alex does a lot, pulls a lot of that weight and Justin Birch, our letterer also pulls a lot of that weight because the lettering is a big part of controlling like how the reader's eye goes across the page. It's like a subconscious thing, you know, it's just like you're, you're just sort of reading and then where the next balloon pops on your eyes, like looking for it. So that's what we try. I think what we all try to do as a team is just sort of like try to lead you through the page and keep you with us. It's like, you know, if, if, if I knock you out of the story, that's kind of like the danger zone because then you're going to, you know, you're going to start like looking around. It's like, but it, it's like, if, if I got you following along, then, you know, I think that's, that's, uh, that that's a big part of it and choosing the moments that you're showing in the panels is what allows you to like your mind as the reader to kind of take over and see the little movie in your head, you know, of like what's going on. And, and I think it's cool because, you know, probably what you're imagining might even be worse than what I had in mind, you know? So, (laughs) So uh, you have a Alex working on the book. You have a Justin mm-hmm. working on the book. Yeah. Do you have a Pete working on the book as well? Unfortunately, Pete, I'm, I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. there might Still be a Pete. Carry for my taste. You know, there I, might I, be a Pete that. somewhere at IDW. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe. That's nice. Maybe an intern. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to rule it out. But mm-hmm. I think yeah. all Pete's are too scared to work on this book. Uh, so second issue comes out tomorrow. How many issues mm-hmm. is it total or is it ongoing? No, it's going to be five issues total. Um, okay. you know, again, kind of like it, it's like, it's not a sequel to road of bones, but it's related. It's almost like if, uh, if we were doing like, uh, I don't know, like a tales from the dark side or an American horror story kind of thing. So, so what we're trying to do is like different stories, but like, fairly self-contained kind of like around the same length. So, or like, uh, what does Alex say? Like that, you know, that like uh, trilogy that, 
uh, that you did where it was like Shaun of the Dead and uh, yeah, the Hot and and End of the World or the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah. you know, they're like related, but they're the, each is like kind of its own thing. So, its own thing, yeah. so yeah. So, but we have like Rotobones is four issues. We've got like a little bit of a larger cast here, a little bit more kind of uh, stuff playing out. So we're doing five for this, this time out. Awesome. And then we'll see. Well, yeah, the story is great. It's <laughs> terrifying. Good. We love, love it. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank so you. Congratulations. Guys. And yeah. happy holidays. It was good yeah. seeing you, Rich. You too. Happy holidays to you guys. And thanks for having me on, all your listeners. Hope you guys have a great uh, end of the year. And, you know, 2021. Here we go. We're almost Just winding right. up. Just We're winding up, there. man. Yeah. Winding up. Watch out for that seaweed, Rich. We'll talk <laughs> yeah. to you soon. All right. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye. All right, ah. let's get that's uh, Rich Dweck, and this book is IDW's Sea of Sorrows. It's great. Yeah, Second so issue comes out tomorrow. It's really, really awesome. We'll review it in the stack. Yes. We'll review it in the stack. We'll say nice things about it. That's a little bit of a spoiler for you. Uh, but we're going to invite our second guest here to the stream, another one of our favorite guys to have on here, Philip Kennedy Johnson. He is about to have a huge 2021 yes. Uh, so I'm very excited to talk about all the project that he's getting to be going on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. guys. How's it going? Been too long. All right. How yeah. are you doing? Yeah. I'm great, be. man. It's going really good. I'm staying busy. Well, I mean, you know, the world's on fire, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have anything to do yeah. with that. Other than, yeah. other than everything being terrible, it's going great. Yeah, totally. You know, the ashes look real nice in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. It's good. That's dark. Uh, yeah. you have... You had two huge announcements lately. Like you already have a bunch of stuff going on, but you're, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to have an even bigger March because you have Marvel's alien book is coming out in March. And also you're going to be over at DC, the writer on Superman and action comics. When, when are you sleeping? Uh, Yeah, that's not happening. It's been been away, been away for a while. As I'm sure you guys, you guys understand Mm -hmm. in your own lives. Um, Yeah, dude, it's going awesome. I'm really excited. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I, I could not pick like two cooler projects to be a part of. I mean, I've been I've, been, I've wanted to be Superman since I was a little kid, and and, and uh-huh. a huge, huge alien fan. And now my son is such a Superman like hardcore as well. So it's it's the best one. And uh, well, let's talk about the Superman action comic stuff first, uh, which, uh, like we just said, is a very big deal. But you're starting it off with the future state stuff, which takes place after Dark Knight's Death Metal, and gives us kind of a tease of the future. But I believe. Even though it's kind of a tease and stuff that might happen, you are going to be tying it back to your run at the same time, right? Yeah. The the Future State event, it was, like, singularly cool in that it gave you all this freedom to do, like, whatever you wanted to. I mean, the fact that it takes place in the future kind of gives it the speculative nature, you know, that you can just kind of do whatever, which is awesome. But I didn't want it to tell a story that, just, like, didn't count, right? And I wanted it to actually tie in the <laughs> that was coming. Um, so that's what we did. So we, we found there's like a, there's like a super team, like in, at DC, right? Like there's like a little super group kind of a collection of books. And we tried to, um, to tie all the future state books together with each other. So you'll see little nods to some of the other books in, in mine, um, which is fun, especially in house of L, which is the one that takes place like a thousand years in the future. And so you see, um, the descendants of, of Clark Kent, um, like way down the line. And in that you'll see, you'll see a setting from, um, Kara Zorel, Superwoman that was in there. You'll see a um, a race of aliens in there that actually are introduced in action in my upcoming Action Comics run, 
Um, there are little allusions to things that are coming in that run. It's just, it's, we try to tie it all together and make, I mean, not, nobody gets punished for not reading everything, but if you do read more than one book, you kind of get rewarded for it, which is kind of cool. They might sell more books if they started punishing people. I'm just <laughs> time for more punishment in our comments. Time for some disincentives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, I, I don't know if you're necessarily known about the, as this, but you've definitely done like a lot of much darker books, like last guy, <laughs> yeah. very dark. Yeah. Uh, the Marvel zombies, resurrection real dark like there's hope there in each of these things but you're not necessarily the first guy that i would think about as super bad (laughs) how did you end up getting that gig and what's your take on the book as a whole um man i I mean yeah i you would not read marvel's always resurrection necessarily think think hope capital h yeah the s Um, doesn't stand for hope it stands for something way more fucked up um well it's a different kind of book though so i i'm trying to i try to wear different hats my writing like i'm also writing a kid's book right now which is also very unlike uh marvel zombies oh wow um so i try to try to know what i'm doing each on each book and they're all very different um growing up i was i was a huge devotee of superman and uh and of batman too actually like if i had to pick two back then it would have been those two guys and they're such different fantasies right like with batman it's like this fantasy of like, I can do anything, you know, like I can put myself on the, on the pedestal with gods and hang out with every one of them just from like sheer force of will and endless money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, But uh, Superman is more like he's, he's what we want to be. You know, we want to be more, we want to be better. We want to be able to help anyone that needs it. And just the guy who already always knows what to do and always does the right thing. And he's just, you know, just from watching the Christopher Reeve film the first time, and seeing like the, the credits whoosh overhead and you're hearing John Williams music and the big S comes on screen and the trumpets are blaring and you just, you just want to like fly, you know, <laughs> um, that's that feeling I'm trying to capture and everything. And it's very unlike um, a lot of other stuff I've done. I mean, I love Cormac McCarthy's work so much more so much too, um, which is completely other side of the spectrum. And that was kind of what I was tapping into with Marvel zombies resurrection. And the last God is kind of this big, question of like well, what if the fellowship failed what if we kind of take the the bleakness of robert e howard's worlds and george r. r martin's worlds and um and just give all the world building and love that uh that tolkien gave his middle earth stories and um well superman is just a completely different thing like i'm trying to capture that feeling that i got watching the christopher reeve films like just wanting to be more just wanting to fly and um and honestly trying to capture the love i have for my little dude um he's he's such uh-huh. a hardcore fan and i i just love him so much and he's so into it um and i was superman having a son himself in the stories it's almost too easy like just it's just (laughs) i I relate to it so directly like having a kid um that's so much like john is on the page or was when he was little um yeah it's just the best uh that's so nice um just started to jump in um and your artist on the book um i saw you posted um or you retweeted some of his work and i it it go, it fits what you're talking about I perfect. I know. I think you must be talking about the the face shot that Daniel yeah, Samper did. God, that dude is a monster, and he's not like famous yet, but he's so good. I feel like he's gonna be like he's every book he's done. Like if you check out his work for the last like however many like five years or whatever, every book he does gets better. And he just he just turned in stuff for Aquaman. Future State is about to come out, mm-hmm. and it's just destroying it. Uh, he's it's so beautiful. And just clean. He's kind of, I mean, there's not like a house style in the way that DC used to have like, you know, generations ago, but there's still, there's people like Ivan Reese and like Gary Frank and people whose work, 
you just kind of like see in your mind's eye for DC's work. And he is totally one of those guys. He fits like right in that style, but so, so clean and precise and dynamic. It feels like, and, a like Christopher Reeve in, in a way. Yeah, it, totally. it has that sort of classic Superman look that I, I was just like, it really, it just lines up so hard with what you're saying. It's really I exciting. I know. I, he's just, he's so good. I'm at, um, at the beginning of the Superman stuff. We are, we're doing a bunch of little arcs. Um, well, not a bunch, but like, um, so the two future state stories that I'm doing, and then in March, when the monthly is start up again, um, I'm doing two issues with Phil Hester, who has a very different style. Like a, he's kind of like an artist artist, has very, yeah. very stylized approach, really beautiful. He actually drew, he worked on the, uh, a little bit on the animated series back in the day. Oh, well, and you can, mm-hmm. you can kind of see that in the way that he depicts like the streamlined super. I mean, all of his stuff really has these very clean lines and all that. Yeah. Very traditional look. But um so a two-issue story there with Phil Hester, and then Scott Gudlewski takes over art on the Superman title for an arc over there, and Daniel Samperi, the guy you're talking about, is taking over action for a full for a pretty long arc, and then it, and we're kind of building all that stuff up into this major Superman event that comes after all that. Are wow. you? Uh, there's definitely different traditions with the Superman books. Like I remember back in the day when there were four of them coming out, but they were kind of all telling yeah. the same story. That's right. Are Adventures you looking the- them as like? This is your chance to tell two to, uh, two times a month a Superman story, or are they are Superman and Action Comics actually separate? They're separate. Uh, um, after the Phil Hester story, they're separate. Like okay. they, um, the Hester story is just an opportunity we had to tell like this, like a, a short one and done story to kind of um, get us up to where we want to go. Is like we're kind of setting the stage for both books in that in that one in March. So both books in March are going to be on the shelves from Phil Hester. So if you buy those two that month, that's the whole thing. And then at that point, it branches off into two stories. So after the Hester story, um, the story I tell with Scott Godlewski and Superman will be completely divorced from the story that we're telling with uh, Daniel Perry in action. So what uh, I'm, I don't know how much you could say without spoiling necessarily, but I am curious just about the general tone of it. What is Superman and what is action comics in that case? Um, is that a spoiler? <laughs> get you in trouble. Yeah. It kind of is spoilery to get into that okay. too much because then there's going to be a very clear direction right after that. Um, okay. I'll say that I can say that one of them takes place primarily on Earth and one takes place primarily off Earth. I can say that. Okay, that's, that's cool. a, and and one of them plays much. One of them is much more involved with the relationship between Superman. I can say that. So Superman is more is very heavily about the relationship between Superman and John, and the action story is. Uh, is more focused on on Clark and what's coming. Okay. Uh, Superman has such a big supporting cast that everybody yeah, does so well. Is there <laughs> anybody other than Superman and John that you've really been enjoying playing with? Uh, um, <laughs> I feel Alex is trying to dig in here. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I, I really am just get curious. Get the gotcha, gotcha right? No, no, no. But I'm fine. trying to gotcha. He's making, I do the same making. thing. Um, <laughs> I'm actually making up some new characters and it's been really, that's been the best part. Like, I, I love that. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that because I feel like that's where we get to hear from you about what you think is either missing from Superman or, uh, or just a new arena. And that's what I'm super interested in with these, these characters that have been around forever is where the next move is. That is 100% happening. I can say that. So there's a, there are a couple of characters that I've, I mean, I've, uh, if you like pour over the entire, like, Superman canon. Um, there are a couple of characters that I think are pretty cool that could be really cool. And I've, I've like pegged one of those that I, I think this per this person needs more attention. And right now I feel like they, they could, uh, they just need more love to make them like a grade a, like big badass person. Um, 
So I'm doing that. I took somebody that I think needs more love and I'm going to try to build them up into something really rad. And there's a, um, just a, a kind of a corner of DC mythology, DC universe that I also, I think has been a little underserved. And so we're going to, I'm putting like all my eggs in that basket and we're going to like, we're going to make, we're going to focus on this and we're going to make the DC universe bigger. Like we're going to take this little corner that is currently 5%. We're going to make it like way more than that. Wow. Um, That's awesome. It's going to be rad. I'm Whoa. super stoked to see with people. Now there's going to be some build up to it. It's not like I'm, it's not going to be like issue one, boom, everything's changed. <laughs> there's going to be a big build up to it. It's going to take a, like a few months to get, to get us to the point where we can really do what I want to do. So I hope, I hope readers are patient and like, not that it's going to be like super dull out of the gate. It's going to be cool, but it's good. Then the, the big monster thing that's coming is going to take, uh, we got to put some pieces on the board first. So it's going to be awesome, dude. I can't wait. How do you feel about working in an arena where Superman's identity is out there, where everybody knows that he's Clark Kent? Honestly, I'm fine with that. I know a lot of people got real buttered about the uh, <laughs> the change in uh, in the status quo because I mean it's a big change, right? I mean he's always been Clark Kent. He's been Clark Kent in, in every movie and and every comic up to the, you know that point. And it's such a huge part of who he is. I get that people are upset. I totally do. But it was honestly for a character whose mission statement is truth and justice. Um, it kind of made yeah. sense to me. Like mm-hmm. the way That's it was, totally fair. Yeah, the way it was executed. I didn't mind it. I mean, back when I was a kid, they weren't married either, right? Like the Clark Kent and Lois were not married. And then it was like, they're getting married. And I was like, oh, you can't do that. It's not how things are. <laughs> um, I never really liked the, I mean, that was the one aspect of those comics I didn't really like. I was like, Lois is kind of, kind of lame to Clark Kent all the time. He's like the super nice dude. And she's always like, you're kind of lame. And then super like the big, <laughs> the big good looking jock comes along and saves the day. And she's like, Oh, you're the man. I don't know. I always thought that was, I didn't really speak very highly of Lois. You know, the <laughs> nice so guy funny. was kind of, was kind of finishing last all the time. And then when they kind of brought that all together to Lois, to me, that made that whole thing just work way better and less cringy. Yeah. Um, I never needed that part of his relation, his uh, character. And now I kind of don't, honestly, I never really needed the, uh, the glasses fedora thing anyway like i'm totally fine with him telling the truth and getting it out there it's funny hearing you say that because first off we've seen the whole stat story of like oh no i have to hide in this closet and change my clothes and then go (laughs) fight some crime like think of all the lives he could have saved if he wasn't screwing around in the closet taking a shot (laughs) yeah right it's cool it's cool that he had the other thing like he's like i'm gonna also save i'm gonna save hearts and and minds through my writing too that's awesome i love that he's also he's not just a bruiser he's also like this this writer that tells very powerful stories and actually i get into that in my future state story um we get we see you know imagine if we did know who clark kent is that means we know where Superman went to high school, where he went to elementary school, where his, where his parents live. Like, it's all out there. So what does that do for Smallville? Mm. You know, so we, we see Smallville a few years down the line after it's all out there. And um, we see what the future state Worlds of War story that we're doing is kind of a love letter to the Superman 400 anthology from what years ago? Uh, actually, I've got it. Here it is. This thing from the 80s. Any of you guys ever read this? Oh wow. oh wow! Yeah, this it looks familiar, that. but it's yeah. it's a magazine size, right? No, actually, it's smaller. It's just like, oh. but it kind of looks like a mag the way they printed it. And the the people on like, listen, this, okay, Brian Boland, Ray Bradbury, John Byrne, Howard Shaken, Steve Ditko, Will Eisner, wow, Klaus Johnson, Jack Kirby, Frank Miller, Mobius, wow, it's an, like, awesome. it just goes on it's and like on. I'm leaving out names of like legends. Like it's this unbelievable list. 
And it's a, uh, it's an anthology of stories about Superman in the future. Like where could Superman be in the future? What could he mean to us or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's like the first time I heard, actually, I heard Bendis talking about it somewhere. It's like the first time he'd read Superman as art. And that's how I remember it too. It's the first time reading these stories, like really powerful, very short stories with some art that at the time I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't know that I was looking at a friggin', you know, Bill Sienkiewicz pinup, you know, mm-hmm. but it's all in there. And, um, this is kind of a like my worlds of war uh, stories are kind of a love letter to that. The first issue is you, you see Smallville and it's all about what, how, how we see Superman, what he is to us. It's like my mission statement on Superman. And the next issue is how he perceives us. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it gets into that aspect of him being a writer and what, it, you know, you just see him as, as not just a, a big muscular savior, but also as like a, a philosophical, you know, almost spiritual leader. Wow. Um, now, one of the things that I really enjoy about your comics is you always have a ton of action, <laughs> great kind of like fight sequences and tons of great stuff. Like to me, like it when I'm reading that stuff, it says like, oh, wow, this person is like a little kid having fun playing with things. And it really comes across in a cool way. Is that something that you're trying to do uh, when you're writing comics like Kind of like, oh, I want to make sure we get some badass action sequences in there. Or can you talk a little bit about your style? I love you, Pete. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> You're so consistent, and I love that. Yeah. Like, I, as, I, as I'm writing a book, I'm thinking like, Pete's gonna hate this issue. <laughs> That's so funny. I love. That. Um, but yes. <laughs> There's going to be lots of action. And even in that, I know you're hearing me talk about philosophical shit and you're like, yeah. I'm going to hate this. Yeah, I love it. I'm when you said bruiser. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, well, there's also, okay, so the stuff I'm talking about, Mikhail Hanin is drawing this shit. Mm-hmm. And he is the best. At, he's just incredible. And um, I gave him all these spreads of like insane actions that he, that he can that he can do these big epic feet moments, you know, in that even in the stuff I'm just talking about. And then the next issue is going to be the most epic Superman shit you've ever seen. Full stop. Wow. Um, and then so that's just Worlds of War. And then in House of L, my other future state thing, um, that is equally like kind of the same thing where it's Scott Godlewski on the art. And he it's a, it's a, a double sized issue. And that story is meant to kind of feel like it's a thousand years of future house of L it's like the, the fall. It's kind of like the battle of Canlan, like the, uh, the fall of Camelot sort of is what wow. that's meant to be. Um, and there's even like iambic pentameter in there to make it feel like an old epic poem. Wow. Which I know you love that shit, Pete. Uh, I, now you're speaking my. Right there. Yeah. Well, there's stuff in there to make it feel like you're reading, you know, like an old thing about Arthurian legend or Beowulf or something. But there's also these crazy action sequences. It's like, and Scott Godlewski is the most dynamic artist around. Like, everything he draws looks so in motion. Very much like Leonard Kirk did on Zombies, actually. Yeah. Like everything looks like, you, everything looks so fluid. Scott's very much like that. And so it's articulate, every little thing on the page. And then when we get into Worlds of War, like, he, I'm sorry I've been talking so long, but when, like, you were talking earlier about my tone for the series. I thought Bendis did a really awesome job humanizing Superman, like giving us, like showing us who he cares about, like seeing him interact with the family he loves and his, his supporting cast and seeing his like day gig daily planet, even while he's putting himself out there as Clark Kent, you see all that stuff. And I feel like it's really opened me up to go the other direction and make him as big and epic 
as we can. Like That's we're really, we're emphasizing the super and Superman now, and we're gonna yeah. we need to we need to build up to the story that I want to tell. But when we get there, it's gonna be the most epic Superman thing you've ever seen. Awesome. Uh, in in your uh, in the last God, you um, you commit in all your work. You really you commit so hard to the story. It feels like to me. Um, and in last God, you, you have so much back matter uh, getting into like <laughs> details of the world, which uh, is so satisfying to read. How will you bring that to a book like Superman? Or uh, is there a way that you can? I mean, that's that kind of. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no, we are. I um, that's how I got this gig, more or less. I mean. Mm-hmm. They can, like when we were starting to deal with the 5G stuff, back when it was all just kind of you know very theoretical, we were still kind of figuring out where exactly where we're going to go with it. They were like, "Hey man, we got we've got this guy who like writes like songs and then like, like <laughs> yeah. books That's of religion dope. and stuff like it's like a complete religious text in four languages that never even show up on the page because <laughs> he's just psycho." So we got to bring him in to do this this cosmic stuff, so and that funny. that eventually kind of made us way into Superman. Like, well, these ideas that we have. Let's like let's uh, do it in the context of Superman, and it totally works with Superman. So now, yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see more languages that don't exist that are about to exist. You're gonna see uh, like whole mythologies spring out of nothing, you know, because wow. we're gonna we're gonna make DC the DC universe bigger with this story. So cool, um, Alex. New languages, cipher. I love, I it. You love that. I love it. I do love it actually. I, I always <laughs> like Justin saying. I always appreciate when somebody puts puts that extra level of insane effort into there. Uh, yeah, that sort of thing. So, it, it, matters, it just makes the world feel more real to me. Like in, in Tolkien, it was always you know his way in was language, right? And my way in has been music. Um, so yeah, there's just I want to see new cultures and stuff wherever I wherever we see new. If you're going to another planet, <laughs> I feel like you should see new stuff, and it's not just mm-hmm. you shouldn't you shouldn't be seeing just soldiers, you know, like people with armors. Like okay. I want to see, you know, I want to see uh, architecture and like here, I want, it needs to feel real. It needs to feel like a real place. Because even if you go to Japan, it's like, this place is crazy. I've never seen any of these things before. <laughs> Imagine another, pl- another galaxy, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, that's what I want to get, do with, uh, with this story. Well, that's awesome. a good segue to talk about the other thing that you have going on, which is Marvel's Aliens, which I assume at least partially takes place in space. Uh, so let's talk about that. Uh, this scene, yeah, look at that cover. Oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing. This is uh, Salvador Larocca on art, which is fantastic. This is the first in promised alien and predator books coming out of Marvel, which is a pretty big deal. Um, that all said, even if this is new for Marvel, we've seen a lot of alien stuff beyond the movies. We've seen the dark horse comics. We've seen other things. There's been crossovers. What is your take on it? What makes this alien fresh different um well i mean dark like hats off to dark horse for going so creative with all their stuff they they had this modular approach where every arc was its own thing didn't really rely on the others too much um but the in to that end um eventually they got like really like out of the box with their stuff which was super cool mm-hmm. But though it uh, it didn't really feel of a world of the same world as the movies to me, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, honestly, even Resurrection didn't feel like the others to me. The only Resurrection that film like didn't feel like it belongs with the others. It just kind of took too big a step to me. Like it was now it seemed implausible um, and so, started to feel kind of kitschy. So I um, those first two movies, everyone reveres those first two films. Even the third movie, which I actually like a lot, I think it's a really mm. I thought it was a great ending for. Uh, for um, Ripley's character. I, I hated to lose the characters that we lost, obviously, because I felt like they were just dumped for no reason. That sucked. Yeah. But um, 
but as far as like introducing the new kind of xenomorph based on a quadruped and the seeing the new like the almost talking about world building like seeing the new corner of the universe with humans that we haven't seen before like it was all it just felt iconic you know in that way mm-hmm. but it's not as beloved as those first two and i feel like there's potentially a future in which it gets retconned mm-hmm. um i just because i mean even in the comics right we already had a comic we saw a comic in which um um forget what's the name hicks and and newt survived mm-hmm. and like the screenplay that made out that didn't get made also had hicks and bishop very involved um so I, I don't want to rely on the third movie, but I am totally relying on the first two. And I basically made another movie that felt like it would belong on the shelf alongside the first two films. Like I, I love wow. the mm-hmm. I love the um, um, I love the claustrophobic nature of the first one, where you're like just trapped on this ship with this thing that's killing us, and we can't you know can't see it. Where is it? And like it's just just pure terror. And when you finally do see it, it's like the perfect, the best, I, you know, image of terror on film ever in, in, uh, in gears, you know, more. And then the next movie, you take a step further in and you're like, now you're in the nest and you see more of them and you can see the queen and you just, it's, it develops further and further and you can see the space Marines kicking ass. And it's just, yeah. like, it's that, <laughs> like those two, those two separate. Game over, man. That's right, brother. Uh, those two. He's just going to be shouting things for the rest. That's fine. Right. I, yeah, I mean, I and honestly, know. he shouts that most every podcast, even if we're not talking <laughs> about know? aliens. Um, so I mean, both of those are so great, and I I wanted something that took aspects of both. Like, I'm not going to give up the space marine aspect, but I'm also not going to give up that claustrophobic thing that I really love, where it's like you're trapped yeah. in the thing with the thing that can't get out. Um, so I I took. I borrowed heavy from both of those films. I introduced a new character that I like a lot. I think people are going to really dig him. Um, give him some great reasons to care about him. We're going to see, instead of seeing like, you know, government sanctioned Marines with like, like our Marines, either mm-hmm. work for the government, you're going to see, um, you're going to see like defense agents or security agents that work for Whalen Utani. And we're going to kind of explore, Oh wow! Um, at least with subtext, we're going to explore, this, this corporation as it becomes so big that it's basically like a yeah. sovereign sovereign nation. You know, that was an aspect of the films that I was, was really interested by. Um, Cause I heard about meetings between like, the, like our president of the United States with like the leader of Exxon or something. And, the, and how people who watch those meetings say that they talk like peers, basically like this, you know, they let the head of Exxon is not subservient to the president or to leader of any nation. There's like their, their own thing because they're so friggin' powerful. So anyway. it's interesting to hear you going in that direction because you have a military background. So it feels like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a military guy. He'll attack some aliens. We're done. But it sounds mm-hmm. like you're challenging yourself a little more in terms of uh, politically, uh, in terms of just <clears throat> the setting of everything and the characters and everything like that. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's been done so much to see, okay, you know, that second movie with all the kicking, kicking the ass and all that stuff. Let's just do that again. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's that's been done so much, like in in the comics and the video games and this, everywhere. Just the iconic image of the guys and with the sleeveless guy with the helmet and the yeah. big awesome gun and the xenomorphs. Like that's the, we've seen that so much, and it's awesome, and that's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but we can't have just that. We can't I mean yeah. that you know that last video game sucked and if, if it didn't like, you know, we just can't sorry not isolation isolation's great um <laughs> we can't just rely on that imagery to get us through you know it has mm-hmm. to be more than that so we i just kind of thought about the through lines like what through lines do i care about and the through lines for me are 
the development of the xenomorph, but not starting off crazy because this is the launch of the book, right? So I'm not going to start out like, boom, they're flying. And, you know, I wanted to start more like the films mm-hmm. and then see where it goes. So we're going to see the xenomorphs kind of slowly develop and see how creative we can get. But we're also going to see the development of the android culture the way that they did in the movies. I thought was really mm-hmm. great. We're going to take the next step after that second film, like from Bishop, like what next? Um, we're going to see the government stuff I was talking about where Wayland Utani becomes more and more powerful. Um, those are through line. They're not like on the face of it, the story mm-hmm. themselves. They're just kind of like the texture that make that kind of put the pieces on the board the way we need them to be for the story. But in the, at the core of it, it's about uh, about a guy trying to save his son and um, about the, the prices that he's paid to uh, be a part of this company and what they ask of him and, you know, what he's done, like the coming to reckoning with what he's done. Wow. And so if, when, when you do that, we're going to get the, the corporate songs that they sing in the boardroom. <laughs> the jingle. Yeah. The, the jingle that comes on TV. Right. Uh, <laughs> since thing. you, since this is at Marvel now and you've written, this is a spoiler for Marvel zombies resurrection, but you've written about the brood. Are we going to have a scene of them coming together and like, pointing at each other and kind of doing a mirror game or something like that. <laughs> right. I see you like a literal tango. No, I, uh, you know, I've as a, this is not a spoiler. Like this is just me talking as a fan. This is not a conversation we've had at Marvel, but it is funny to think about like how, what a colossal ripoff the brood was back in the day. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and now they've got the real deal. Like, how's that going to work? Like yeah. if they, not to say that this is the story is happening in the 616, it's not. Yeah. But, um, you know, if we were to do that someday, are like, are, are we just going to pretend the brood aren't out there? Are they going to have to bring them in? <laughs> yeah. or how, how's that going to work? Yeah. That would be fun. Uh, we do have a question here over on <laughs> YouTube from OG uh, asked, is the predator going to show up? Not in my story. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Seems open there. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Last God because that's also wrapping up. I think based on DC schedule, if I have it right, issue 11, yeah, 11, is 11 out came today, out today, which yeah. is awesome. I don't want to spoil yeah, anything thanks. about it. We're going to be talking about it in the stack, but yeah. things get very, very dark as you're heading towards <laughs> the end of this arc here. What has the experience been like? What's it like to wrap up at least the first part of this enormous story? God, it's been amazing. I, um, as you guys know, we talked about a ton. We have to get into it, but how much work went into just fleshing out all the stuff you don't even see on the page. Oh, man. Um, there's all these arcs that exist already behind the scenes that you haven't seen yet of these, of these other characters that lived centuries before that. I've got some ideas of where these characters could go later, the ones that make it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're, it's been amazing, but it's also <laughs> cool, cool to think about how much left there is to do if people want to see it, you know? I love the uh, hearing you or seeing you describe it. This is sort of that like the burden of like God. I got to tell these stories. I need to get them out. <laughs> my brain. Well, yeah, like the clock's the clock's ticking. You know, like I could get yeah. COVID at any moment. Oh no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I, forgot, I forgot. We beat COVID already. We had this vaccine, so nobody's sick. I forgot. It. Yeah, there you go. It's over. Um, it's over. I'm sure you can talk about this, or maybe you don't know anything about this, but uh, there certainly seemed to be a tease in Donny Cates' run on Thor that there was a tie between Marvel Zombies Resurrection and what he has going on with Thanos and everything else. Is there anything we should be looking at from Marvel Zombies Resurrection for potentially setting up something big at Marvel down the road? No, honestly, there's nothing in the miniseries that's already out that, that connects with... That connects deliberately with what mm-hmm. has, what's being done outside of that. It was kind of its own story, but as we know in comic and big two, especially like the the different multiverses tend to, to find each other. You know, so I think there's a pretty 
there's a pretty real possibility that those could could marry up at some point. And there, I, I, we could see nods to to uh, resurrection in other books um, coming up. But there's nothing that I put in there with coordination with anyone else in the other books. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this is certainly more than enough books that you have going on right now. But anything else you want to tease? Anything else you want to plug that's coming up? Or oh man, I do have one more coming out that, uh, from the big two later this year. That's going to be pretty rad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can't talk about it yet. It's going to be. It's, it's going to be kick-ass. I am. Um, let's see. Kill a man's already out there. It's already on shelves now. I, I co-wrote that with Steve Orlando. And um, that was really cool. That's a story that I feel like kind of matters. It's a, it's about an LGBTQ MMA fighter that is outed and has to kind of, he loses everything, has to fight his way back. I'm very proud of that book. It's on shelves now. Oh, wow. nice. um, let's see. Last God 11. So last issue of the first book of the Fellspire Chronicles, Last God comes out next month. And then that one's wrapped up all, and ends with a song, which I thought you'd appreciate. And it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's really, but it's, it's really. When's the album drop? actually my my day my day gig with the army field band they they did a thing on me they let me do a video uh with like featuring my comic music which was really cool i saw i think you posted that right or i I did at some point yeah at some point i posted it so anyway i digress um let's see no i think that's all i can talk about i've got the superman stuff and alien and then another one more than enough stuff that's awesome uh philip congratulations on everything thanks for coming on the show thank you so much and shout out to rich too i've read sea of sorrows and it's kick-ass so if you're watching this check out Sea of Sorrows. rich is the man and that that book is really good yeah it's scary all right have a good night good talking to you you guys too thank you for having me back yeah all right, yeah. there we go. No, I cut him off again. Oh, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, everybody. Uh, again, Woo-hoo! things to plug. Uh, Last God is out. Currently, Marvel Zombies Resurrection just wrapped up, and it's awesome. And in March, you can look forward to Marvel's Alien, as well as Superman and Action Comics at DC Comics, of course. Uh, that is going to be kicking off. And uh, before that, his Future State books are going to be kicking off throughout January and February, uh, taking place after Dark Knight's Death Metal. So lots of stuff going on. I do hope he gets to tell more Last God stories because the world he created is phenomenal and the art is so cool. (laughs) Uh, All right. I think we're going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for your audience questions, it's very simple. You could probably figure this out, but if you're over on the tube, the YouTube, just drop a question in the comments there. I'm keeping one eye on it. Over on Crowdcast, drop a question and ask a question, as many of you have already done, and we'll get through those. Uh, But two things to mention, two things before uh, we... Uh, kick this off with the audience questions. Uh, This is one thing I was keeping an eye on. I was hoping this happened before the show, but it happened during the show. Uh, Now, I don't know if you guys remember uh, about like a month or two months back, I talked about our YouTube subscribers, how it taken us years, maybe even a decade to pass uh, 6,000 subscribers. And then last week I announced on the show uh, that we passed 7,000 subscribers. Uh, Just now during the show, we passed 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. Ramping up, baby. So uh, I'm sure that pace will definitely keep up constantly. (laughs) That's what going viral is. That's what going viral is. I gotta check out this YouTube site. I guess it's like, it's good. There's a lot of videos on there of their cats. Yeah, there's also videos of how to grow a beard that Zalvin's following along with. Really, uh, yes, every day I check in with it, and they're like, yeah. "Great job!" 
<laughs> oh, it talks to you. I think it talks it, to me. It I think you're looking in the mirror. I think you're looking in the mirror, Alex. But I did want to say, anybody who's watching on YouTube or anybody who's uh, checking it out later on YouTube, thank you for subscribing. We appreciate it. You are awesome. Yeah. Uh, that is so cool. So good. Uh, let's get to questions here. Oh, we should talk about what we're drinking. Oh, we should talk about things, what we're drinking. Alex. I thought you said you had two things. The second thing was about what we were drinking. So thank there you, Pete. Go. Do you want to kick it off? Because it sounds like you have something terrible going on based on what we talked about before the show. Some sort of NyQuil Mountain Dew combination. I'm yeah, it's, uh, it's the new uh, Mountain Dew Merry Mashup. Uh, so I had to buy that right away. And uh, it's not good. It's not good. What just, are they mashing up? Santa's elf blood? And- I, I just don't know who's taste testing a Mountain Dew because some of these new flavors, I just, are they just like, ah, fuck it. Maybe you feel like your, your local bodega is pranking you. They're like printing labels. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? So it's Mary Mashup. Is it cranberry Mountain Dew with like some cinnamon and nutmeg or something? It says cran- pushing nutmeg, dude. Let <laughs> yeah. the nutmeg rest. All right. It's like That's a, a candy cane. Is it, does it taste like a candy cane? No, it's cranberry pomegranate flavor with other natural flavors. Awesome. Awful. Wow. What are those secret natural, super natural flavors? You know what? I think those? it's actually the thing ruining the Mountain Dew is the natural flavors. Yeah, yes. that's what it is. But anyway, I'm drinking rum and uh, this new flavor <laughs> of Mountain Dew. Yeah. Uh, uh, how do you, do you know when a new flavor of Mountain Dew comes out? Is there I a got- scent? Yeah, like you feel like it in your certain aura that I got a little pep in my step and I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then I head down to my local bodega. Mm-hmm. There's you a tingle the in it. Sort of just wafting through oh, the air yeah, like a yeah, hobo. Yeah. Happy Le yeah. Pew style. There's yeah. a tingle in my taint. There must be a new mountain. <laughs> <Dew flavor. laughs> uh, what do you guys drink it? I got the crisp crisp point. It's Christmas. I'm drinking a Brooklyn Defender IPA. Ooh, my nice. wife got that. She was like, my wife, my wife. She was like, yeah, that'll be good yeah. for your little comic book show. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're divorced. <Little>. Now. <laughs> we, uh, it's been coming for a long time. She, <laughs> she's crossed us one too many times. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, but get rid of that clown. <laughs> hey, don't you dare say that about Marnie. She's a clown. Uh, here I we go. Let's she go to some questions. Get rid of her. Uh, oh, Shree Pullet wants to know what's the Defender of the Year Stout IPA. This is a Defender IPA. It's a golden IPA. It's pretty good, mm, actually. Golden. Defender's golden. good. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. This is from Jay Sinison. Is there a Patreon level where Pete will call my kids and tell them the truth about Santa Claus for them? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wow. Uh, whatever number you think is fair, I will have no problem doing that. Oh, my God. Terrible. I. I love that because it would be, uh, imagine, a very short interaction. Be like, hey, he's bullshit. Get a life. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> Click. Uh, for any children listening to this, uh, I apologize. Uh, Santa Claus is real. Yes, he wow. is. Real. I don't apologize for you saying bullshit, though. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right. Speaking of Christmas stuff, Kevin says, what are comics that, while not directly related to the holiday, would you suggest for a Christmas read? Mm, nice. That's a great question. This is an absolutely terrible thought that you shouldn't do, but the first thing I thought about was blankets because it takes place mostly in winter and there's a lot of snow, but that would be very depressing and sad. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, you want something something fun. Um, I 
What's Punisher uh, like, Christmas is a great one. You know, would it Punisher of, Christmas? See, yeah. I feel like we all we often recommend similar things. Mm-hmm. So let's try to break out of our cycle and Ooh, really hit break out. All right, all right. I might some, say Star Girl just because it has like a lot of warmth and family to it. That's that? very nice. Um, yeah, that's nice. I mean. Uh, this is uh, sort of a from downtown, uh, but old from Will Eisner, downtown. old Will Eisner stuff. I feel like is oh yeah, very, the spirit, mm-hmm. the spirit, the great um, one, yeah, is really sentimental in a nice way, and feels it's about people gathering together and reaching across uh, sort of the boundaries of not knowing people, and it very, feels very of the season. Uh, I just want to ask you guys a question: mm-hmm. When Rich uh, said. When he was talking in his interview, and then he said "danger zone." Did anybody else just start singing in their head "Highway to the Danger Zone"? Or is that just me? Mm. No, I uh, didn't. But I, I think that's fair. Okay. Pete, these are the questions you usually ask because when we're not still doing the show. So, oh, um, money. Yeah. <laughs> I've been drinking. Yeah. Oh, Joe <laughs> kind of made a joke about this in the comments, but Klaus. I know that's very specifically Christmas, but Klaus by Grant Morrison. Uh, at least the first book is a lot of fun. After that. In typical Greg Morrison fashion, it goes insane. Uh, but the first one is enjoyable. It's bad. Uh, I, I was talking about this, I think, in the Slack about how, or maybe it was on the show, about how Santa Claus, an X-Men comic, made Santa Claus a mutant, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I found to be very odd and uh, sort of bad <laughs> for all sides. I, I like yeah. how it was weird have- also how he got the legacy virus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I also He's the one that injected it and died. Yeah. I also like how we've been doing the show so long you can't tell if it's Slack or our show anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I just close my eyes and start talking when I wake up, and <laughs> and then someone puts me to bed. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, I agree with Josh in the comments. Mouse Guard uh, 1152 is also great. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's go over to YouTube. We have a couple of questions already over there. Uh, Agitato. Hmm. Uh, let's see if we talk. I don't know if we can talk oh, about this boy. yet. I don't know if we can mm. talk about this yet. You guys let me know. But what did you think of the appearance of spoiler in the season finale of Mando? Are we out of the spoiler zone yet on this one? Can we talk about this? Who what are we waiting for God himself to show up and tell us? I don't know. All right. If you don't want Mandalorian finale spoilers, just tune out for the next five minutes or so. Uh, let's get into it. You guys both watched it, I assume. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Yes. As He's we the- all know. Big deal, Moff Gideon showed up, and so did Baby Yoda. And I assume that's yeah. the spoiler they're talking about. Exactly, because I didn't uh, watch the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, Mandalorian, he's the helmet guy, right? I'm not 100% oh, sure. I've only watched one episode and only just the middle of that episode. Well, uh, no, I watched all of Mandalorian, but I've never seen any other Star Wars material, so I don't know what the <laughs> big deal is. <laughs> Yeah. Who was the guy with the fuzzy face that didn't move that much? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> man, that one guy that showed up was really good at killing robots. Yeah, is he some sort of robot murderer? So here, here's my thoughts on it. I I think it was – we're talking, of course, about Luke Skywalker showing up. The I know. I'm sorry. Uh, but I thought the way that it was filmed, excellently paced, yes. very well revealed. Um, I usually watch it – watch the episodes in the morning so I can uh, talk to my writers at work about it. And then I watch it at night again with the kids. And I liked it better the second time through where I wasn't like early in the morning being like, are they really going to do this? Are they going to go for this? Are they going to go like without that anticipation off? It worked a lot better 
And I was able to focus on emotionally what it meant for Grogu and Din Djarin, which I thought was great. That was awesome. And this, real quick, I just want to correct you, Alex. You said you watched it in the morning, but uh, you told me, perhaps in confidence, that you woke up in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and, and, knew, and knew that you had to watch the This movie. happens. It's, I, I, don't, I don't claim anything pseudomistical ah, or force-forcing me or anything like that, but... When Mandalorian is on, I wake up without an alarm at like 3.02 in the morning. It's very upsetting. I wish it wouldn't happen. I like to sleep. Uh, That's some low-stakes spider sense tingling, but I love it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I woke up early, and I I like that. And I think it makes perfect logical sense for Luke Skywalker to show up, be the Jedi there. Um, But... There's also the aspect of, I wish it was a Luke Skywalker, because I'm tired of seeing the Skywalkers. Uh, they're involved in everything. It makes the galaxy smaller. And also, the CGI looked bad, and that was distracting as well. So, well, it was video game Luke Skywalker, so, you know. Oh, okay. All right, there we go. He flew yeah. right out of the Star Wars game. Yeah, what did you guys think? That's my take. Uh, I was, like, when I saw the green lightsaber, I was like, no. And then they showed the hand. I was like, shut the fuck up. And then when he, uh, you know, took off the hood and had the reveal, I was like, oh, I was very taken. Uh, I didn't kind of like see it coming because I was like, it's got to be that one Jedi lady we just saw in the docks and we don't know who she is. Uh, I was that like, that was just that. really quick. The lady you saw on the docks, uh, that was Mercedes Vernado, aka Sasha Banks. She was the Mandalorian that I very summarily and very off screen killed in the finale or shot a bunch of times. Okay. Um, well, either way, I just, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't think they would do that. I did not think they would do that. So I was really caught off guard and I was uh, like, oh, that's, looks not that great, but still pretty cool. I, um, I was, I thought they, to the your point about pacing, Alex, I thought it was paced so perfectly mm-hmm. um, yeah. because it, it, you went through like several stages of reaction. It was like, mm-hmm. you saw the X-Wing, you were like, yeah. huh. Cause yeah. we saw some X-Wings earlier in this season. Yeah. Yeah. I it thought was like, it was the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It could have no, been one of those the old, guy with the beard. Store guy. guy from yeah, Superstore. Yeah. Yeah, I love those old beard guys. I want to see more about them. <laughs> what are those dad dudes doing later? Um, so the, you saw the X-Wing, and then yeah. you saw the cloak. You're like, okay, a lot of cloaks up there. And a lot the of cloaks. And then I, I, when I saw the belt buckle, I don't, I don't know why that really yeah. threw me off, and I was like, that's Luke. What? Then, yeah, the belt I don't, buckle. It was, and it's like the sort of like Han Luke belt, like that era belt buckle. I don't know. That got me. Wow. And yeah. um, and then eventually the reveal. I thought it was really done well. I I know people were bothered by the special effects. I'm fine with it. Like what they did the best they could. Like I, it didn't take me out of it as much. I mean, it's just a testament to how well done the rest of the special effects on this TV show, not movie TV show yeah. are for, uh, for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, there were was- also, uh, there was a cumulative effect at the same time. And it sounds like I'm a little more negative on the tying into the saga than you guys were. But the fact that it was like Luke Skywalker, then R2-D2, and then we got a post-credit stig where it was Jabba's palace. I was like, this is, it's enough. You, you, there are other locations. Yeah, in this I was surprised go. about the R2. Although, no, I mean, he's everywhere. I, I was di- I was so happy to see him. I Did you hear the theory? Which is, I, I laughed out loud when I heard this. This is so ridiculous. But that R2-D2 and Grogu are talking because R2-D2 is the one who saved Grogu uh, by stuffing Grogu inside of him <laughs> during Revenge of the Sith to take him to safety. 
Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't seem likely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, well, I, the, was, I thought the, it was interesting they were talking because Yoda never liked R2. Mm-hmm. He would always hit him with this, uh, you know, cane stick thing. Yeah. The the other theory that I saw float floating around, floating around to your point, Alex, was that the reason that they're so after Grogu's blood is so they can um, put uh, metachlorians into the future clones of uh, Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Ugh, that would be a bummer if this yeah. somehow spins back into justifying a bunch of Rise of Skywalker stuff." Yeah, I mean, if it's that or it's Snoke or whatever it is, I just don't need it. And to answer Pete's Punisher Slippers question here, R two is hollow. Yes, he is like uh, a chocolate Easter bunny, where it looks delicious and it looks like oh, it's going to be the solid piece of chocolate. There's no chocolate inside there. Yeah, it's, it's just a bunch shell. of old garbage inside. <laughs> He's got a Luke's old hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because he, he did store Luke's uh, lightsaber in there, and then maybe he's got a couple of hands for different activities. What do yeah. you think? What, are you worried about, um, or were you worried about Bib Fortuna's um, weight gain? Do you feel uh, like I thought he, that was? I liked how realistic it was. It was like I was like that guy's been stuck in a pandemic for a while. I appreciate how it looked. I liked it. it was perfectly done. Yeah, COVID nineteen is actually a droid in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I was very confused by the ending. I don't know if we'll get into it in Week and Geek or whatever, but we can talk about I, it right now. We don't need to I, hold off on it. What, okay. what do you mean? I was like, wait, is Mandalorian over, and now we're getting a book above a bat. Like I thought, that's what season three is. Pete, if you're confused, all you have to do is literally Google any of those words that you uh, saw at the end of the screen. No, I, I agree with Pete. I think it was confusing the way that they rolled it out, and then the way that they referred to it as well online was confusing. Where. I saw that and I was like, okay, they're doing the book of Boba Fett. So the book of Din Jared is over for now. We're moving on to that. That's season three. That makes sense to me. What? No, of course it's a new series. They expanded this universe like crazy. A no, week I ago. know, but, but they literally at the end of the season, Grogu leaves, they close the door. Like the yeah. door closes. Yeah, so I gotta be honest. The elevator close. It was like the a series lot of is not work. the adventures of Din Djarin. The series is Din Djarin and Grogu. Like that's the emotional crux of the thing. They resolve that. They're done. I would love how ballsy it is if they finish the Mandalorian for now and then moved on to something for else. I think yeah, that'd be great. I don't but, want to see Mando without Grogu. Yeah, Maybe well, he I can also meet wanna... another. He can meet another little version. Sure, of the there's Star a lot Wars of little creature. stuff. There's little Watto. In this. Little Watto. <laughs> hey, it's me, baby Watto. Hey, <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, to Pete's favorite guy, John Favreau, on I think it was Good Morning America. In my mind, further confused it where he was like, we're launching this new show called, called The Book Above Fett. It's coming out in December. He didn't mention this part because uh, Mando Season 3 was supposed to come out in December. They announced that. And he was like, it's coming out, and then we're going to go into production of Mando Season 3. Book Above Fett is the next chapter of this story. I was like, all right, so it's the next season of it, but then you're taking a break, and then you're going to do Mando Season 3. In my mind, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter. They're calling yeah. it a different show, but it's just physically taking the space of the Mandalorian. It's all just different Mountain Dews flowing from the same tank, so <laughs> just drink it up, all right? There's a big, horrible cow out there at a factory that's just spewing yeah. Mountain Dew out of its udders. Just you're more. It up. Give me more. Let me suck that blue milk right out of the big old cow. 
Wow. Uh, I do, before I lose track of this over in the comments, which I think I've already done, actually, but I, I wanted to mention it. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, the Big in the comments says, hey, guys, quick update. My daughter got an 83 on her Spider-Man paper. Thanks for the help. Yeah. Hey. 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 Good. Yeah, for those of you who don't remember, uh, we were instrumental in, I think, writing this paper <laughs> a couple of weeks back. Yeah, I hate. To, I ended up writing it for a small fee on, a, on the side as a classic side gig. So I'm pretty psyched I got an 83 on it. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. I would never take that grade away from yeah, um, that's awesome. fine work. Congratulations to your daughter. Uh, let's go over here to Crowdcast again. Nick Kelly says, why is it that comic books have never risen out of the niche market? And what would happen if the industry... If it suddenly became hugely popular and mainstream, uh, that's a great question. I'll say on the second part, uh, there is no better time for it to have become a hugely popular mainstream than the past 10 to 15 years when uh, movie and TV have been the dominant form of culture. Uh, and it just hasn't happened. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I. It's hard to say that it won't. I mean, it did. The big, the glut of the 90s, when comic books were the most popular, um, they sort of wasted it. um, And they, it became the collectible market exploded. So uh, it was all about feeding that market with um, a bunch of uh, alternate covers and special uh, wraparound, foil, hologram, all that stuff. Oh, the trading card. Yeah, this is mildly related, but I have a copy of Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man number one. How much would you guys say that's worth? A lot of money? Yes, Pete. He's the collector here. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. Well, what kind of condition is it in? And is it graded? (laughs) (laughs) It's been under my toilet for a while. Every morning I use it to stir my coffee. (laughs) How would you do that? I don't have any spoons. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions about like how you could steer a coffee with a comic book. Um, I, I do think comics are in a good, uh, they're not selling a, a crazy amount, but they're in a good spot for mm-hmm. the fans who are, who are reading them, the creators who are creating them um, as just being a step in the development of another media property that it help, helps everyone tells great stories. Like, um, more popularity. I don't know what that gets me, the comic book fan. Yeah. It gets me upset if things become too popular. Well, right. the other thing, this is kind of doing a side to your question because I know what you're talking about here, but uh, the thing that everybody forgets is comics are very mainstream. It's just not DC and Marvel comics. It's Raina Telmeyer. It's a diary of a wimpy kid. It's a cat kid and dog man, which my son is obsessed with. And those books sell in the hundreds of thousands or millions of copies. That was a Netflix, dude. We get it. You got kids. Okay. Congrats. I don't think that was necessarily a, uh, Netflix. <laughs> too much of a pause there. Yeah, it was a bit of a pause. Wrong pause. The way that sounder comes through, it comes from really back here, like in my teeth. <laughs> it really rattles my whole mind. Yeah, yeah. I got to cut out that pause at the beginning. Or something. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, we need to talk to the sound engineer, who I think is you, Alex. Uh, no, it's his beard. Yes, I, I'm. I'm working on it. Uh, this uh, question from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Hey, what Nelson. Movie, what movie are you guys watching on the 25th, if any movie? Wonder Woman 84, Soul, or Other? Well, I mean, I've already seen both of them, so I don't know. Wow. Wait, what's that Nutflex there? I mean, that was a little bit of a... Nutflex. 
Yes. yes. I, I have. I have seen both Soul. Yeah, no one and... doesn't think you've seen them, Alex, just to <laughs> yeah. be clear. No one's like, oh, Alex is lying. No, we know. Yeah. Um, okay, so which one would you recommend that we watch? Uh, of the two, I mean, they're both fine to watch. I think Soul is good. Like, it's solid throughout. It's a Pixar movie that I think... I mean, I didn't cry at it, and I've talked to other people who've seen it, and they didn't cry at it as well. So, like, if that's your thing, you're going into a Pixar movie being like, I'm going to have a good cry. Did you mentally cry? Uh, no, it's it's Did sweet, it's funny, the music is pretty good, the animation is good, but it feels a little smaller and a little less thought out than other Pixar movies, oh, I think. Wow. wow. I heard if you don't cry, it means you don't have a soul. Yeah. Right. No, but it's good. Like, I enjoyed watching it, and faster. it's pretty funny and pleasant throughout. And uh, Jamie Foxx is good. Tina Fey is good. Um, Pete, I think you'll really enjoy the music in particular. Oh, um, nice. I thought it was fun. And uh, there's a cameo from a little rat that our friend Matt Little knows. Ooh. If you know, you know. Oh, yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, wow. Man, I don't think he makes any money on that. So No, yeah. it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, uh, wait, on the other line, hand. Line of the night for, uh, in the comments from Aaron. Um, on it, referencing Nutflex is says Alex is a flex nut. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you are, you are, you've got a problem. Uh, but let's talk, let's brass tax it here. Come on, Wonder Woman, the first one or the second one better? First one definitely is better. I'm, I'm honestly oh, shocked. No. Yeah. no, I no. went in, I went in really wanting to like it <laughs> no. and. You I, just you just grinched. You just grinched. I'm really there. sorry. Fuck I'm you. very no. I really wanted to. Like I sat down. I'm like, here we go. Can't wait. I'm very excited. Uh, and it, there's good things about it. Pedro Pascal is if great. You like anything, I will fucking drive over. Here's your house. the thing. I think like without getting too much into spoilers. Here's Do something. Spoil this. Here's something that I think comic book fans are going to know what nuts for. Pedro Pascal plays Maxwell Ward. And what's the one thing you want out of Maxwell Lord as a character? That's right, nosebleeds. And yes, yes. Pedro Pascal bleeds out of his nose at one yeah. point. Just one tiny little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. And he has to wipe it out. Just like That's Maxwell Lord in the comics. Uh, everybody's very charming. Gail Gadot is charming. Chris Pine is charming. Pedro Pascal is charming. Kristen Wiig is funny. Um, I really like... Don't. Same as the first movie where it kind of just fell apart in the final act. This one is... Pete's leaving. He had just left the podcast. Um, I, I had fun watching like the first two thirds and then it just, in the last act, it takes forever. And wait a second. No are you real... saying there's a DC movie that falls apart in the third act? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I'm going to have to give these a, give it a look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, by no means am I saying don't watch it. I had a pleasant time. I'm glad I watched it. It's just like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't have anything like the No Man's Land sequence for the first movie, which is absolutely wonderful. And it kind of loses the focus of war, I think. Mm. It, like, gave it this very clear mission statement, which is much murkier in this movie. Um, but the style stuff, they go for making it look like an 80s movie. They have multiple makeover montages. Very into that. There's a lot of cheesy movie stuff. So I think particularly for, like, Waking up on Christmas morning, being a little tired, getting a cup of coffee and watching it. <laughs> this is the most insulting thing you said. <laughs> well, here's movie. the other thing is they're not putting it on until noon Eastern time. So you it's can't even do that. Yeah. It's a perfect movie to watch after you've had seven eggnogs and your eyes are <laughs> fully closed. 
<laughs> I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I wanted more out of it, but I still think Bummer. it's definitely worth it as a movie. And uh, there's some good you images still in about it. it. I'm still talking about it, Pete. Okay. Hey, after you go back and re-listen to this, Pete, because after you covered your ears, he said it was great. Yeah, Pete can't hear you. Are you done? Yeah, yeah. I'm done talking about it. Okay, good. After you covered your ears, he said it was great. So you should definitely. I don't fuck. I don't. I don't want to hear anything. I want to see it fresh with oh. none of Zelvin's bullshit in the back of my head. Ooh, bratty little Pete. You, you probably asked. Shot. You literally asked me. You asked I just want to know if it was better than the fucking first one. That's all I asked. And it's he not. gave you a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, Josh says, are you saying if you didn't have expectations, would you have been happy with it? Um Ah, Pete Scott again, man. I don't know. Uh, that's a, that's a tough thing to say. I think like I, I went in wanting to enjoy it and definitely like the opening sequence. I was like, yes, this is wonder woman. This is great. I'm ready to have my emotions wash over me. And it just slowly kind of petered out by the end of the movie where I was like, all right, there's a lot of stuff going on here. This is fine. Great. There you go. There you go. Uh, what are you looking? What are you going to watch, Justin? Uh, I have a f- maybe. We'll watch Soul. Um, I like watching It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Day, Aww. so I'm going to go uh, do that. Um, uh, how's the Charlie Brown run going? Uh, wow. Uh, mean. Well, let me just say um, we are finishing. We we recorded a zoom version of our Charlie Brown Christmas special, which we do live every year and we are going to release it tomorrow. Wow. Ooh. Nice. So def- that's definitely something to check out. It's really fun and funny, especially if you like the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It's great. Cool. Uh, cool. Pete, what are you going to watch first on Christmas? Wonder woman motherfucker. Yeah. It's not on until noon though. So what are you going to do before that? Just start drinking. Oh man. There we go. <laughs> Well, perfect. That's just what Alex said you should um, be ready to be doing while you're watching it. Excellent. Uh, we got a we got a question from Bandito740 over here. Alex, what do you do with all the promotional stuff you get? Justin, how did the fantasy team end up? And Pete, how are you going to spend that sweet, sweet $600? Hmm. Great questions. Yeah. Uh, promotional stuff, I mostly take it in and throw it in my closet. Uh, Justin, over to you. Fantasy <laughs> team, I'm in the finals playing against one of my good friends. I just beat my brother last week. I got to get a win in here. Uh, this would be uh, rooting for Kyler Murray, uh, Derek Henry, and a couple other random people. <laughs> Pete, $600. Uh, what I like that. Anytime I get. Do? Yeah, anytime I get go- government money, I like to buy illegal things that I shouldn't buy with it. <laughs> Smart. Like uh, that bag of knives you brought to the Philly Comic Con a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was something like a bag of knives. Oh you know what I mean? That was still one of the craziest things that's ever happened. Uh, Jay Citizen says, Christmas on Kokoa. Who is the Grinch? Who is so surprisingly super into Christmas? Ooh, good question. I, I think Mr. Sinister has a lot of Grinch. Uh, oh, really? I would say I thought, the other yeah, thing. I, I bet he's surprisingly into Christmas, but just some way to get people's DNA. He's like... I, I guess he's a, he's the Grinch who's into Christmas to fuck yeah. people over some other way. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverine, right, is the Grinch, I feel like, and then he gets uh, one around somehow. No, Pete? Uh, no. You think he's into Christmas? Yeah, I think Wolverine's into Christmas. He's a nice person. 
Um, yeah, I would. I would feel like something is so an evil, completely evil, would be the Grinch, like Apocalypse or Scott Summers. Well, it needs to be. <laughs> Man, you snuck that in there, right? Yeah, the really, really close to the mic. Yeah, just say if you guys were paying attention. You know. Yeah, great uh, point, Josh. There are nice people who don't like Christmas in your face. Uh, Joe says, now that the X-Men are so reclusive, what does that mean for Kitty Pride's annual Chinese buffet superhero get-together with all the <laughs> other Jewish zeros? Um, I'll say, first of all, she's mostly not allowed on Krakoa and can't go through the gates, I believe, still. So she'll be fine. She can go to New York or something like that. Uh, and uh, second of all, that sort of stuff, speaking as a Jewish person, you invite all sorts of other people. It's always better. Like, I, this isn't exactly that, but Passover is always better when you invite non-Jews and people ask questions about things, and that's kind of the joy of the holidays. At Passover, there's questions galore. <laughs> there's a lot of details there. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is from, ooh, sorry, we missed this, uh, Josh. Uh, wanted to know, do you have any interest in revisiting Warlords of Alpalachia? Next time he's on, we'll ask him about that. that. Uh, this is from Pete's Punisher Slippers. Pete, what do you think of Alex's beard? Pete, I'm pro- wait, I- hold on. Pete, I know normally you're very reserved about this stuff. Don't hold back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm impressed with uh, the fact that it's happening and you're allowing it to happen. You know, uh, I feel like the in-between stages of a beard uh, can be very itchy and not worth it. But if you kind of stick it out through that, you're rewarded with something that is soft and uh, fun (laughs) to kind of like make weird poses with while you're thinking. So kissable. Uh, Pete, let me ask you, Should do you think I should grow... Uh, my your patchy weird ass yeah yeah definitely yeah Uh, you looked a little bit more mature with facial hair because right now you look like a weird teen who's had some tough years (laughs) okay interesting a cool teen who's had some good years no i didn't say cool i didn't say that interesting uh let's see we got another uh sorry i missed it again um just a bunch of comments about Wonder Woman over here who goes into a movie without expectations, especially a sequel. Yes. Uh, Agitato says, when I watch Wonder Woman, I'll expect Gal Gadot to be hot, but not as hot as Linda Carter used to be, um, mm. and other okay. things like that. Uh, and let's uh, let's end up with this one from Joe. At this point, should we all be resigned to all of Star Wars? We'll always be related to one family in some way. Um, I, I got to say, I mean, I would have thought... I the Mandalorian would shy away from it. Clearly it did not, but they're launching so many star Wars series at this point. They can't right? like not everything could be tied back to you. Imagine if every end of all the new episodes is a loop <laughs> reveal. <laughs> well, I do think, um, I do think it's tricky because the whole Looking mythology, the whole mythology is built around, Luke's discovery of the force. We discovered the force alongside Luke. So I think there's always going to be the, the tendency to return to that discovery. And that's like the, the er text of star Wars. So it's hard to avoid, but I do think there are so like to your point, Alex, there are so many new things coming that they'll find new ways in, especially now that they, they can't go back over these bridges that many times again, like you can't have Luke show up and be the deus ex machina to pull Grogu out in the next series. You know, it's, yeah, 
they can't keep doing the same thing, so they'll do something else. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's the series The Acolyte coming from Leslie Headland, which takes place at the end of the High Republic era. And we don't know much about it, but it focuses on female Jedi, maybe, I think, that are possibly flirting with the dark side. And that feels like the sort of thing until one of them is like, and my last name is Starkiller, but I'm going to change it to Skywalker, which would be annoying. Uh, But I think, like, there's a possibility of moving in other directions there. So I really do hope they get there. And that is a new hope. It is a new hope. Uh, That is it for your audience questions. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And now we're going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Pete LePage, the star of trivia. Yeah. All right. So this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online. So all you want to do is put like a first hand up or a hand or, up in the comments. Hand up or me, me, me. Could or, be over on YouTube. Hey, Could be here me, uh, a series of consonants and vowels. Yeah, just yeah. A something, scream, a scream, just you could ah! just write the book of Porkins or something. You know, it's just something fun that you would want to write. Pete, you could just pick somebody random and force them into the stream. Yeah. Oh, we got a hand up over here from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. All right, let's nice. do it. You do. Okay. There we go. So, Nelson, I'll explain this uh, for you, and then I'll turn it back over to Pete. Uh, you are going to get a chance to win a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. What you're going to do is put your answers in the comments. Since you're on YouTube, there's going to be a little bit of a delay. So, Pete is going to tell you a story or something like that. Well, it's funny that you say that, uh, Zalvin. Here because, we go. Well, should, uh, we, should we start this trivia off then? Yes, yes. Uh, waiting for the – there we go. Today's trivia is my last dedication to the late great. Wow! Robin oh my God! Well, this is literally a Christmas miracle. That That's we, right. Twenty twenty, putting it to bed. That's right. So uh, today's trivia is Robin Williams, but it's also about how Robin Williams changed my life. Oh my goodness! Oh shit! All right, here we go. Question number one: Which comedy album saved a twenty-hour road trip? in which I covered our station wagon in puke as a child. Is it A, Weird Al Yankovic's Greatest Hits, B, Robin Williams Live at the Met, or is it C, Eileen Brennan? So is it A, Weird Al, or is it B, Live at the Met? I appreciate all the feelings that you're having right now, Pete, but I also appreciate how easy this quiz is going to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see. What uh, did you literally like? Cover the car and puke? Just yeah. What happened was we were driving from Rochester, New York, all the way to Fort Myers, Florida, and a. Uh, paneled station wagon and I had McDonald's for the first time in my life driving through the hills of Pennsylvania my dad was trying to make up time so I started a barf O-Rama and we had all the windows down and the car smelled horrible and my dad to save an awful trip put in Robin Williams live at the Met and I was literally soaked in puke, and we all ended up laughing and having the greatest time. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, Nelson, just drop B in the comments so we can move on from here. But uh, it's funny. I was thinking earlier this week about the time that I puked in a cab after we got really drunk. That <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I feel terrible about that. I wish I could apologize to that cabbie. Yeah. Nelson says A. <laughs> <laughs> B, but I like where it's his head's at. Yeah, you know what? Let's weird move on. Al- Let's say Nelson said B. Let's move I on. I did listen to a lot oh, of Oh, he said B. Al- he corrected himself. Yeah. That uh, night we were drinking that. There was around the holidays, too, I think, Alex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was so funny. I remember that. That John shots at that. Uh, yeah, that was. We had just gotten the. Uh, the show with Nerdist, right? Yeah, I think it was uh, maybe our first show or our last show of the year or something. And Mike Bosey, an epic drinker, kept buying his shots, and boy, did we drink them. Oh, yeah. my God. So okay. Drunk. All right, question number two. Learning about the power of comedy and laughter changed my life, but, but struggling as a comedian in New York City was tough. Seeing which co- comedian... Did I see on the street that not only cheered me up, but gave me the strength to continue? Was it A, Greg Pak, B, Robin Williams, or C, Billy Crystal? Mm. Definitely not C. No. No. no you don't see very Billy sad. Crystal walking in yeah, the Billy street. Billy Crystal is not a comedian, I think, technically. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's an essay. Uh, spitting cherry pits at a window like that. <laughs> but uh, I... I remember why we're killing time here. I remember very clearly I was uh, working at FAO Shores in the t- toy department. And uh, yeah, and I almost got fired. And I was just kind of walking around New York questioning my life choices. I uh, went to college and here I was uh, trying to be a comedian, struggling to make rent. And, uh, you know, just kind of questioned, like, what am I doing? All my other friends have like jobs and houses and stuff. And then uh, I saw Robin Williams. Oh, man. Uh, Nelson says B. And just to clarify, you were almost fired from F.E.O. Schwartz for trying to fuck the piano, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, and believe it or I not. think we should question uh, that choice, at least. Yes. Maybe not all your choices. I got into a giant argument with an uh, eight-year-old kid. That's why. <laughs> That's somehow worse. <laughs> Wait, was he an eight-year-old kid trapped in an adult body, or was it was he just an eight-year-old kid? He was, he was just an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. He was a very mean. They did a study. Kid. They yeah. did a study and showed that ninety percent of the customers at FAO Sports are adults trapped in children's bodies. I love the idea that you had a shouting match with a straight-up child, and then were like walking the streets of New York, like, "Oh man, what am I doing in my life?" <laughs> And screwed it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that is so funny. Did he say B? Yes, he said B. Okay. <laughs> We've ran out of music for the first time in I think fourteen years. We ran out of music for trivia. Keep going. I haven't laughed that hard this entire pandemic. <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, my brother came to visit me in New York City to watch me do stand-up, and who popped in to do a surprise set? And I got to sit next to my brother and laugh like we were little kids again. Was it A, Dave Chappelle, B, Rob Williams, or C, Patrick Carrot Stewart? Carrot Top. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, was the third one Patrick Swayze? Is that who you said? Patrick Stewart. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Warburton. <laughs> Patrick Castles. <laughs> That's, that checks out right there. Yeah, that does. Uh, uh, all right, yeah. so uh, I guess we'll have to see who it is. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> yes. yes. Who even knows? Uh, Nelson hasn't said B yet, but any second here. Uh, it know. was it was really adorable. I would at the time I was working as stand up in New York as a night manager for spots. And uh, Rob Williams came in with his mom and he said, my mom would like me to see, see me do stand up. Is it OK if I do a little time? Oh, wow. That's amazing. That Pete, awesome. your life is like I know we've um, uh, made fun of this quiz for quite some time, but I, I didn't know how much your life has orbited Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah it's been kind of crazy. Uh, Nelson says B again. So it seems like he won a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Nelson, shoot yep. us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. We will get that out to you. And Pete, the last, last secret quiz for yep. Robin Williams. What were the answers again? It was Eileen Brennan, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal, and Patrick Stewart in the amazing secret. TV movie In Search of Dr. Seuss. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to have like, like uh, Goodwill Hunting or something be the last one, <laughs> but instead it's like Goodwill Hunting. So next week you're going to have somebody else different, or ditch this bit entirely. <laughs> we will see what happens. All right. Oh God, please. I have a feeling I know the answer. Yes. Uh, as we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day. We recommend you go wherever is safest to go get comic books or alternately, uh, maybe today is comic book day uh, because DC releases the comics now on Tuesday. What are you guys looking forward to Pete? Uh, I am looking forward to, um, it's a long title. Uh, you look like death tales, uh, umbrella Academy, number four of six mm. and mm. ice cream man. Number 22. Yes. Justin, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Who lots of stuff. I mean, sea of sorrow that we talked about, uh, great read. Uh, but I'm going to give it up for, Department of Truth, number four. Ooh, wow. And this comic is one of my favorite on the stands right now. It just really, it feels um, so current. It feels like it was written tomorrow, and we're getting to read it um, uh, concurrently. Like, it's just so good, so prescient. It feels, it's scary real. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Labyrinth Masquerade, number one. Yeah, you are. I am. You know, I've honestly been kind of up and down about these Labyrinth books, but this one looks interesting. I don't know that I've read it yet, but we'll talk about it in the stack (laughs) that comes out uh, in the Comic Book Club feed and also in its own stack feed, so definitely check that out. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And folks, I think that is it for this week's show. Yeah. A couple of people we want to thank before we go. We want to thank Rich Dueck. Uh, check out IDWC of Sorrows. Issue number two is on stands tomorrow, Wednesday. Also, Philip Kennedy Johnson. You can check out Last God 11, which is out on stands right now. Or in March, Alien from Marvel, Superman and Action Comics from DC Comics. That's going to be awesome. Uh, as mentioned, next week is our last show of the year. We are going to be live still on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to uh, welcome two folks from the Blue Podcast that Pete and Justin guested on a couple of weeks back, and that was a lot of fun. Also, it's a, comedian- it's a podcast about mostly um, British soccer. Um, so, I, and we want to write in your fun. wheelhouse. Right yeah, in your right? wheelhouse. I understand it. Ted Lasso was Ted Lasso, better. baby. I was ready. 
Yeah. Uh, and also comedian Keith Lowell John Jensen is going to be here. And as mentioned, we're going to talk about your picks and our picks for best comics of the year. So please send us those our, our way. Check out at Comic Book Live. We'll put a tweet up and we'd love for you to respond to that uh, so I can uh, call all that stuff together. Also, Chilling Podcast of Sabrina or Chilling Adventures of Sabrina podcast is going to be back very soon. Yes. We're going to be rolling those out once a day starting on December 31st. It is the final season, which is very sad. I do promise Umbrella Academy, our Umbrella Academy podcast will be back very soon, so uh, stay tuned for that. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and other shows that we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, good night! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.